I was trying to come up doing some sort of signature name rhyming humor with cloaca and <laughs> and vacation, and it didn't, you know, obviously it didn't happen, or you would have heard it and busted a nut. Right. Um, but, it, you know, you gotta, you gotta announce your failures sometimes. <laughs> you do. You do plenty of that. <laughs> <laughs> What's cloaca and all this? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> this cloacan back of mine. Oh, don't break my heart. <laughs> Cloaky break your heart. <laughs> yeah. See how I got to say it? My name is Mr. Sour Pickle. They are the visionaries. How did JFK get my spaghetti video? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. We are doing a new arc. We're back. It's Saturday morning, Tuesdays, the adult podcast about children's cartoons. Oh, we are back on that. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, mm-hmm. live action. I'm Andy. I'm Austin. I'm Rory. And today, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna change I'm gonna change tack. Let's see let's see how this one goes. I oh, miss boy. I miss our themes. So yeah, I, I miss themes. We haven't done themes like like a real big themes in a long time. And I don't know if this is a good theme, but I'm just gonna. It's like you know you gotta work. You gotta warm up the muscles Andy, before Andy, you can. Ex- all themes are good themes. You can't just. <laughs> You can't just soft pitch things to the audience. Or they're gonna, they're gonna smell the fear on your breath. Now, now, Rory, just to clarify, when you say all themes are good themes, so that means anytime I pitch a high concept theme, it's a good theme. Is that true? And that you're saying it because you've already said it. I suppose. You I guys, I don't want to smell fight. the fear in my voice. You guys, I don't, I don't want to fight. We have to work together to get out of this boot that we're stuck in. We're, oh, oh I so see. we're stuck in a big boot. We're we're trapped in a big shoe. <laughs> we're trapped in a giant shoe. We've been shrunk down like, like honey, like honey eye, and and we they were shrunk. Are, we were shrunk like the kids. Are we and now we're in a boot. tiny or is it cute? Like we're you know our heads and arms got <laughs> to poke out. Is of it boot. just a very it's, big foot? It's definitely cute. We're like mice. Uh, we're like little mice people, and uh, we you know the inside of the boot is really slick. And we can't find our way to, we can't seem to climb our way all the way out. But yeah, once in a while, our heads crest the the top of the boot. And anyone watching is very charmed. I don't know that you're familiar with the size of mice or boots. I have a, <laughs> I have a more important question that okay, this is yeah, brought up. Yeah. The old uh-huh. woman, the little old woman who lived in a shoe, <laughs> do you think she had a foot thing? Oh, hmm. But for big ones? Well, I don't know. Is a good question. Does the size of the foot matter? Hmm. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stance on this. I I'm gonna say I don't think so. I don't think you want to be horned up by your house all day. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like some sort of weird Twilight Zone curse. Like living in a house that's just shaped like a pair of boobs. You're like this is <laughs> the diminishing returns. Well, on. yeah, that, the, that, that the, would certainly little, be, quite, be quite garish. But the horny yeah, old man I, who lived in a bra. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that you want. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes you want to, I don't know, read a book. 
and yeah. then not remember your house is very is fuckable. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one way to look at it. So I guess in that well, context, do you think no. is it your is it your supposition that the old woman who lives in a boot bangs her house? I I know I didn't say that. I said she had a foot thing. Yeah, foot is where the wouldn't you if you had a foot thing? Shoe, you don't fuck the shoes. <laughs> I guess some well, I don't people could fuck shoes, but I don't. I think that's a shoe <laughs> thing and not a foot thing. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, but if the shoe fits, that's. <laughs> well, I no, feel like we're getting farther and farther away from our current predicament, which is that we're stuck in a boot. Um, but that's right. okay. We need to keep ourselves amused while we're in here because we're clearly not getting out ourselves. And well, what's what we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So <laughs> why don't you say what show we're watching? Well, first, I think we need to talk about who put us in this boot. Um, oh, we put yeah. Out a, we put out a call a little while back to our patrons. Oh, like a Craigslist ad? Please don't put us in a boot. <laughs> we would hate that. We would just hate that. No. Uh, our, our delicious and wonderful patrons, we asked them to come up with ideas for an art. Because, you know, we usually do, like, specials. And they're like, hey, like, we'll let you vote on a special. Hey, if you're not already a patron... Sometimes we let you vote on what a special is going to be. Does that sound fun? It super is. Only costs a dollar. But... I have to assume it's very fun because <laughs> they, they do some really nasty stuff to us. And I hope at least they're getting enjoyment out of it. Yeah. We do it for them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We but do it we, for their we... dollar. Yeah, for the dollar. But this time we asked them to come up with an idea for a whole arc. Uh just to see what would happen. And we saw, you know, uh, several ideas come through that would have been totally doable. Uh, and in the end, we had to pick one. And the one that we picked that we are starting this week is, well, the prompt was computer animated cartoons. And that is something that I feel like we have avoided, not on principle, but just because they're all a bad. They're all real stinkers. <laughs> there's a stinky vibe. There's a stinky vibe. We did on do them. Action Man. We did action. We man. did. We have seen some computer animated content before, <laughs> and we didn't love it. What was uh, what was his what were what were his like phrases? The three like amp it up and dial it in. Dial it. Dial it. Wait, check, no, hold on. Check it out. Check it check out. It out. <laughs> check it out. Dial it in. Amp it up. Amp it up. And uh, we did. We did that. But it was you know you can see the stink lines coming off of all the computer shows and. Uh, yeah, so this is this is Patrick's uh, Patrick's suggestion. So thank you, Patrick. We are going to indulge you on this one. We have decided to start our three week computer generated arc, which we need to come up with a snazzy name for. Uh, more on that in a second, but we are starting it with reboot today. <laughs> I don't hate computer generated arc title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so long though. Oh, that's funny. Uh, reboot. Reboot. That's why we're in a boot. Uh, do you get it? Get, you get it? it? Do you smell the fear on me? Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> reboot from 1994. I I have a big history with this show. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rory doesn't, and I don't no, know about Austin. No, no. What what is your? Oh, wonder? I love reboot. Yeah. All right. All right. I have another. I have another friend on the podcast today. Um. This show hit me at a young age where I think, and, and I, this is a bigger conversation we're going to have over the next few weeks, the sort of like 
the ways that CG cartoons sort of tapped into our love of video games as impressionable little children. Yes. Because in a weird way, I think a lot of the appeal for something like a reboot at the time, aside from being one of the basically the first computer animated thing made for television, was that it's kind of like watching a really sexy video game cutscene for a half an hour. And uh-huh. that's an incredibly and generous description. <laughs> for 1994, <laughs> though, Rory. Toy Story right. hadn't even come out yet. I'm just saying, I'm saying th- there's, there's, some, there's some like stuff in here sure, that really yeah. hit me. Yeah, well, it also, it's interesting because it, it doesn't even necessarily tap into gamer culture because gamer culture wasn't a thing yet. It was computer nope. culture. You know, it was like it was kind of all under a larger umbrella of like you in order to access a PC, you have to be a huge nerd to begin with because <laughs> like it's just not accessible yet. Yeah. You know, like Windows and stuff just isn't isn't hasn't hit the market all the way through. And we're talking about you just have to be good at DOS in order to play Carmen San Diego. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we all lived through the era. I was what? Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it hit America in 1994. So this is a Canadian production. Uh, I don't remember when it first started airing here in America. But uh, in 1994, I would have been six. So just ripe. Just just like. It, my interest in cartoons and like my, my ability to understand them is is forming, and then we've got reboot, and I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I was really really into it just for yeah. uh, just for a minute. I was really into it. Does that does that make sense to you, Rory, or are you just like like dumbfounded that anyone would like this content? I don't know to be honest. It. Um... <laughs> It wasn't the word. I mean, like to comp- to say it was was a bad watch would be disingenuous. It's it's fine. Um, a but I didn't see the sparkle of like something that kids were going to clearly and deeply love. Mm-hmm. Well, and that might be an issue with just how serialized it became over time. And I think actually knowing how much better it got in the later seasons retroactively makes the first couple seasons worse, even. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I think about when I think about the reboot I enjoyed, it is post time skip um, and through the kind of um, maturization that it went through maturation. um, I like the other word you said. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, you know, it, it is a show that, I mean, also being with cutting edge technology and show about cutting edge technology, it did kind of fittingly change over time and it changed for the better. And I would not, I don't think I would have enjoyed reboot as much if it had ended in season two. No, I agree. Uh, I will. I don't know. At some point, we got to dive in. I've got a couple pieces of information I should I should tell up front, but I just want to I want to underscore something that you may, you reminded me of there, Austin, which is that this one of the things that I admire about reboot is the fact that it may, maybe it didn't even know this at the time. Maybe it thought it was just on the cutting edge and would always be, but it's it's willingness and boldness to just dive in and go. We're the first ones doing CGTV. Computers are new. 
we're just gonna go whole hog and this is gonna be the most dated content anyone ever creates like yeah it's wildly weird to watch now with like all of these like early 90s computer terms and the bad animation like everything is just so fresh and new that like i don't know it's it's as much of a period piece as you could get (laughs) like this is 94 (laughs) yeah like a lot of cartoons you think oh this is timeless this is timeful this is very extremely timeful (laughs) uh Okay, here's my here's my like couple pieces of of background information before we dive in. So this was uh, apparently in development since the mid '80s, but technology wasn't advanced enough for what they wanted to do yet, and they kind of had to wait. Um, these like it's an Avatar uh, situation. Yeah. Yes. Exactly like James Cameron, and the it's like it was like this creative group called the Hub, and I think they were out of England. Uh, and it's these guys, John Grace, Ian Pearson, Gavin Blair, and Phil Mitchell. And the thing that they were famous for before they did Reboot, and the reason that someone trusted them enough to get them to make Reboot, is because they made the music video for Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. Yeah, and baby. if you've ever <laughs> seen that, it is about as just <laughs> awful, <laughs> very limited CG as you could imagine. Uh, I, I I bet there's kids today who can't even imagine how bad CG was when it was new. <laughs> you know, like there's no there's no real way to like conceptualize of how bad it was when it first happened until you go find that video of money for nothing. <laughs> yeah, it is the the primordial primordial three dimensional graphics. Yeah, um, it is it is it's truly like the, a different it, age. It's the Ally McBeal dancing baby. It's it's just yeah. It's worse it's really... than Super Mario sixty four. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so I don't know, but I think that speaks to how different the expectations were and how exciting the novelty was, right? Like sure. Well, all of it I'm was sh- new. I'm sure there was a a period in this time uh, where where computer animation. Uh, had streamlined uh, animation costs un- until obviously we've got to this where it is now and it's it's a much mm-hmm. larger production. Um, but I mean, I, I think that that's it's indicative of the quality we got out of this medium, right? Was like this yeah. was a cost-cutting choice, not a creative choice in almost every instance. Yeah, we don't have to pay someone to draw every frame. We can just have a computer farm kind of render it out as, as yeah, come on. I, although nope. I am curious how many sort of exploratory costs they had to do, you know, when you were mm. one of the first, how, you know, where, you know, I think in a lot of ways it probably was expensive, but they didn't know well, that. Well, you have to I remember, mean, you know, at, at this time, Austin, we also didn't have computer-assisted hand-drawn animation. Like, it was it was yeah. purely yeah. hand-drawn, and, and it was an expensive operation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how those receipts would pan out, but I am I am on Rory's side here a little bit. Like I'm I'm willing to bet that even with some like buy-in in terms of tech, like the cost savings was was mouthwatering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it sort of had to be the proof of concept for it to, mm-hmm. to be well. Yeah, and you can do a this workable all on model, a, you know, on a single PC, right? You don't have the it's it was it would have been incredibly cost effective. Yeah. Yep. Um. 
fuck, I think we gotta, I think we gotta go. We gotta, you know, start coming up with some strategies for getting out of this boot and dive right out. Uh, right I out. found a little hole in the toe, so follow <laughs> me. <laughs> I come from the net through systems, peoples, and cities to this place, mainframe. My format, guardian, to mend and defend, to defend my newfound friends, their hopes and dreams, to defend them from their enemies. All right, everybody, um, we are heading through a little tow tunnel uh, <laughs> into uh, a the first episode of Reboot, season one, episode one, the tearing. Ooh, <laughs> it's just like this boot is tearing in order to get out of it. I, I do miss themes. You're right. Right? Right? <laughs> uh, all right. Here's the synopsis for the very first episode of Reboot. Bob and Dot fight to keep Megabyte from harnessing the power of a recently discovered unusually large tear. Oh. Uh, they barely <laughs> succeed until a descending colon, no, descending space fighter game harnesses it for him. Now Dot and Bob must defeat Megabyte inside the game or he will escape to infect the supercomputer and become more powerful than ever. Okay, you might have a few questions. <laughs> uh, we do as well. Yeah. High level of how this show is set up. Bob is our main character, and he is uh, our sort of digital hunk. Um, he has like chrome hair and purple, <laughs> blue, purple skin, and he is a guardian. He is a sprite, yes. and he he and so this is like a city. There's like a city inside of just like a a random dude's computer. Exactly. And you know, if you think of it kind of like an inside the human body Osmosis Jones situation, um. They are in the city of, what is it? Mainframe. Mainframe, thank you. Um, and that's kind of the city. And then I'm unclear what the supercomputer is. Yeah, I'm sure they were It's like too. another place. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, we'll get into all of their plotting um, <laughs> later. But so Bob and Dot is also a sprite and she runs a cafe. And does she? Is it her brother? Her kid brother? Yes, Enzo her, is her brother. Enzo, who's a who's a boy for now. Um, <laughs> he doesn't turn into a girl. He turns into a man. <laughs> That's what <laughs> well, I was getting at. He does. This is not a, that progressive. Oh sure, no, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, he becomes a man through a time skip. And becomes a badass. Um, <laughs> but uh, for now, yes, it is. It is cool guy Bob, and and young sort of spritel from Speed Racers, Enzo, and his dog, uh, what's the dog? Frisket? Frisket? Yeah, I hate saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and they just kind of, they battled the nasty virus Megabyte, also like Osmosis Jones. Um, oh, yeah. Who is yeah. Also, also a virus villain, um, who's also hot. Um, <laughs> also hot. <laughs> um and you know they're kind of just they go and they jump into games and do the games and they generally somehow save mainframe city every episode and that's kind of how reboot works yeah that's not a bad description um there's so many 
I don't know. I I'm 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 sitting here having a de- a delightful time because this was like this was full nostalgia trip for me. This was like mainframe's a little bit like coming home uh to a in a to a strange degree that I didn't expect. I have not watched reboot in at least a decade or two. Mm-hmm. And it was very nice. It was very nice to to see this again even knowing how shit that this kind of is. Uh the other piece of information that I might add, so the there is a user. So right. the human who owns this computer, we never see. The Bill Murray, t- if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> There's an unknown character who just gets to play video games. They're, yeah. The user. The user is not is not like a an enemy necessarily. He's more just like a like a like a an angry or 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 uh, an un what am I trying to say? Uncaring. A, yeah, an uncaring God <laughs> that no matter how much you pray to him, he will never listen and you'll never understand his motives. But he plays games and sometimes they destroy half the city. But we don't hate the user. We want to understand the we user hate the game. and work with him. We hate the game. And when the user plays games, these giant purple cubes descend from the spooky sky and it's random where they're going to show up. They show up, they sort of like transform part of mainframe into the world of the game and if you're stuck in there when the game descends you're in the game now and if the user wins his game that part of the city is destroyed so they try and beat the user every time a game shows up yeah. it is some weird world building <laughs> it's i don't understand strange logic because also if the if the user keeps losing his games he's probably yeah. gonna destroy his computer <laughs> You gotta let him win sometimes, guys. <laughs> so, I don't, you know, I think they clearly, you can see them struggling with the like, well, wait, I mean, do they play the game? Well, they're playing a game in the computer against the user, and but they gotta win, but then, yeah, like, it, it it's clear they didn't have a good reason to, yeah, like, have this. Um, they also don't seem to care much about i don't know ongoing continuity as far as like reasoning for why things happen no this this um this nonsense world building this this sort of macro version of the story is is paralleled by its absolute manic episodes of constant action that's pretty unexplained i <laughs> I didn't get a lot out of this first episode. I mean, the, mm-hmm. there's it, there's so much driving around, and and they were always mm-hmm. cutting to this enormous cast of characters. Like, you know, we've complained about this in the past, but at the very least, like all the Digimon are in the same room. Like, <laughs> all these characters are they're in also different, in the digital world. <laughs> that's true, but they're they're in just different locations, and we cut to them for a quip or for them to explain what what's going on with Bob. It's it's yeah, I, I didn't walk away knowing much about the show from this. first Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to think that part of the problem comes from this relatively new medium and that I don't know, like the storyboarding might be different or the the writing process is different. I, don't, I think because the animation is sort of different or, or I don't know the way they're approaching yeah. it. That's only my only sort of like way to sort of give them some credit because it really is bad. I mean, the problem is, (laughs) is goalpost moving. I think 
is I think these sequences are so hard to parse because they are constantly shifting the goalposts and updating, sometimes hopefully updating the viewer with the new objective. But mm-hmm. they, they, they're playing Calvin Ball all the time with sort of like, mainframe's going to get to this sphere. Okay, and then he has to get to the sphere. Oh, no, if he, if I get to the sphere, it's game over. If she gets, we get, oh, no, we've got to turn the sphere like, oh no! But my my favorite bit of shit world building. So so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the actual plot here a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Megabyte is a virus, and he's also essentially some cross between Doctor Robotnik and a mafioso. Um, he and has it's a uh, it's, uh, Tony J. It's uh, the the chicken mm-hmm. wizard from Mighty Max. <laughs> yes. Tony J. Doing very well, doing exactly what he always does in every he's, show, he's which is be Tony spooky. J. He's nicely yes. spooky. I do think Megabyte is spooky. Oh, my Bob, how nice of you to drop by. I see now that you're the big circuit in town. I'll throw my chips in with you. Please do come in. Actually, the two villains in this show that we didn't we didn't see the other one, but I like I like the villains in this show. So Hexadecimal is very spooky. Yeah, she I mean, has very spooky energy. But Megabyte, I like. He's spooky now. Um. I don't know that you can ever take him seriously as a scary villain after Megatruck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, episode two is so the second one we watched is so good. Oh my god, I can't believe yeah. I agree with you so hard, Roy. Yeah. Uh yeah. He I anyway. <laughs> he's kind of he has at the very least in this first episode, he has mafia vibes where like Everyone sort of has to tolerate his presence because I get he's he's very powerful, but they all know he's a spooky virus who they wish was not there. Um, and he's trying but to get. They're Bob. just bits of a computer, right? They're not the user. They can't. They can't run. Right. They can't run McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> but but Bob is new here, kind of. He's uh, he's the guardian who's who's assigned to mainframe from the supercomputer. And he's sort of new, and Megabyte thinks he can he's, sort of yeah, get one over on. Yeah, he's a white blood him. cell, right? This is I, the, mm-hmm. the Osmosis Jones parallels are are really coming to the surface. I know. They are. Thank you. And and so he's basically trying to do the like, I just need you to do one favor for me, so that you know I won't trash your not girlfriend's diner again, because I totally didn't do that. But doesn't it suck that I trashed your diner? Ooh, I wish you could do a favor for me, so that that doesn't happen. You know, Bob, all you have to do is input one small favor, and I might be able to keep this from happening again. No promises, of course. So that's the sort of dynamic that we have. And the favor, as we come to learn, is that there is a tear that Megabyte has sort of like, it's like localized inside of his spooky lair. And he knows that Bob could turn this tear into a functioning portal that would take him to the supercomputer. And that's what he wants. And my favorite bit of world building that we get, because it is, it's so fake, is that (laughs) we learn there are two ways for this tear to stabilize into a portal. One is if Bob does it, because he's a guardian. The other is if a game lands on it, and then a game will stabilize the portal. There's no logic for why that happens. It's just because... They want it to. And later right. on, when a game shows up, that's the new stake of like, oh, no, the game is going to stabilize the portal. But 
that doesn't make any sort of if that doesn't even have computer logic it doesn't have story logic there's no logic to actually grab onto for why any of this stuff is happening one after the other right and no. it's all sort of you know it hasn't been seeded early in the plot you know or any, mm-hmm. there's not a line of just like oh well that or or you know if a game whatever game stabilizes it's just like it's all stuff that has been updated on the fly that again moves the goalpost later you know, when yeah. you think, oh, here's the here's where we'll kick and score a goal. And then it's like, no, oh, there's a, all these new <laughs> things that could happen. It's a bad magic system, like yeah. Rory's always complaining about. It's <laughs> it's it's akin it's akin to you if you had a character say, Well, blue spells can only be countered by red spells or very rare gray spells. And then later in the episode, they're like, Oh no, a gray spell. Like, I don't care. Like, none of this matters. Like, like th- th- this is all just arbitrary bullshit. At least yeah. make it make sense. Oh, let anyway. the hatred flow through you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this show, though. I love this show. Uh, I don't know. Let's find something new to talk about. How about, how about Megabyte's abs? <laughs> <laughs> He's got abs. I don't know. He's uh. such a fuckable virus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. So there are definitely some things I don't love. Uh, yeah. A lot of those yeah. we've already listed. Uh, but another is the character Fong. Oh, you don't like Fong? Well, Fong is um, one is is this sort of very, I don't know, he's he's more robot like than a humanoid. He's the oldest sprite in mainframe. Got it. I see. But so he's he's this sort of like Chinese coded character who's voiced by a white guy who's yeah. kind of doing whatever he thinks a, a, an ancient... The, my- the mystical Asian mentor character vibe. Right. Yes. Yes, right. he is doing it. And it's just, I don't know. It, it, the whole the whole vibe just does not does not land for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, not really a fan of, of just how sort of you know... Naked how... it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and how like how deeply culturally coded it is where that's the only you know character they've sort of decided to be an yeah. ethnicity you know uh-huh. it's just yeah it's in, it's a, in a world where we get to have everybody be shades of blue it's annoying to have a golden robot man who then we just aggressively make fake asian Right. Like, yeah, we we get to be in a space where none of that stuff like we don't have touchstones for that sort of thing. And we can kind of just do whatever we want. And then like to lean into a shitty stereotype for one of them is just weird. Stands out yeah. like a sore thumb. Although he does say a line there. So there's a lot of there is a lot of cleverness. And I will say that in quotes um, <laughs> because, you know, it. I'm sure it felt more clever at the time. It was all computer lingo was still very new, but they do occasionally dip into changing normal things we say into computer words. Uh, yes. And in this case, Fong is thinking about it like an old, an old document, like an old prophecy. And he says, there is an old readme file that says you should keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. Mega binary idea. i laughed so hard it's so dumb it's you know like that's funny that's that's funny um but you know a lot of it is like dos jokes it's just like it must have been a return command they've gone back to the diner hurry hidden file commands you gotta love them okay well what 
What I find so striking about this show is that it's almost, I mean, these guys clearly knew a lot about computers. They're on the the cutting edge of computer animation. Everyone working on this is clearly familiar with computers. It shows in the words that they're using and the little like weird references they're making. Like I had to look up uh, at one point in the second one we watched, Enzo makes a reference like he calls it. He's he, he's made a car that looks like an older model of car and he references like a serial number. And I looked it up and it's like a historical like CPU chip that was like in real life. Like they're referencing like weird niche shit that only people who are into computers in the 90s would know about. But at the same time, it feels like when they're doing slang and shit, it's like aliens were given computer words and told to just sort of put them in. Right. Uh, I want to drop this clip. Enzo, when we first meet Enzo, he tackles Bob and just says a lot of stuff. And the clip will be here, but he says shit like, We tried to quit following, dude, but it was seriously default. A major surge of goons showed up at the diner and started to completely offline the place. I mean, jack out, crash, crunch, backslash, delete, trash, log off. (laughs) Kill me. It's just... (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird the way that they use these words in ways that don't actually make sense. Well, although also I got to say in that time of the 90s, everybody was looking for the next like new slang. Everybody wanted to be Bart Simpson. Everybody wanted to find (laughs) their own cowabunga or, you know, I caramba or eat my shorts and they had all of this all this computer shit that they could talk about and think that maybe something is going to get you know picked up yeah (laughs) there's also i mean we can't dismiss all the tron i mean the influence of tron as well in this in this world there is there's a heavy amount of tron (laughs) that you know was late 80s and i imagine this being developed in the late 80s i bet they watched tron and were just like all right we got a show I'll make a show someday. Now, I want to this. So, so the the thing that I remember finding the coolest about this show also doesn't make very much sense, and it's also the title of the show. So, when they end up in video games like these games that the user is playing, when they end up in there, I actually really like this concept as a kid, and I still like it as an as an adult. Same. They essentially like. Boop boop. They like touch their little uh, their little symbols on their chests, and they yell out reboot. And they they essentially like the 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 logic that I'm sort of getting is that like the game they they allow the game to treat them like NPCs and the game dresses them up in an appropriate manner for being in this game. And I think that's a cool concept. I think it's really fun. The game in this first episode is like a Star Wars. It's it's like it's basically like X Wing, and they go reboot and they are suddenly in like space fighter outfits. And that's a fun. That's a fun thing. I, I think it's a fun concept. Yeah, and, and that the the AI that you're playing with in a game are your the little guys who run around your computer who are like <laughs> playing with you, like like they're your friends. I always yeah. knew my computer was my friends. <laughs> I knew it. Um, reboot. There reboot is doesn't one... make sense as a thing that they say, right? Like yeah. they're not rebooting. Not really. Like. I, I don't, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> there is one little flash of something that I wanted to call out. Uh, yeah. Just like the show can have fun visual gags. And there is a, a discussion of a riot happening outside of Megabyte's place, I think. That yeah. is like a distraction. And it shows these picket signs, these rioters 
that are these like little whoever the little bits and bobs and like robot people that aren't hot sprites um mm, they're like the binomes weird, yeah yeah and they have signs that say specifically smash the solid state <laughs> and the proletariat want bread <laughs> which i don't think is a computer reference i think it's just it's you just know. we want bread yeah. <laughs> oh actually the the wikipedia for for reboot that i was looking on because i had a couple questions and i was trying to find answers uh they taught me something that i never knew as a kid and didn't notice as an adult which is that the little i think they're called binomes the little like because as Austin pointed out, like the, everyone who's not like a sexy sprite is like they're basically like little robot people that look like they're made of blocks or spheres. Not that the boy, not that the boy is is you know no he, he's he's not sexy. He is not <laughs> yet just sexy. a regular Enzo boy. Enzo is a regular <laughs> little boy, but the they are ones and zeros. The block people are like three blocks stacked on top of each other, and they're a one. And then the other people are little spheres, and they're zeros. And I never knew that. I that had not clicked with me. Even a no. moment. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun design. Um, fuck. I don't know. It, this this show is. It's it's like there's there's so much to talk about and so little to talk about. Uh, the the actual action is not that interesting, especially in episode one. Right. And like we stated, it's just. Things happen. You watch them do action and they do not always explain the logic involved. As to as to why the goal has shifted or why we're spending five <laughs> minutes doing this thing. Um, and it's, you know, I can I can see you can get swept up in it a little bit and just kind of turn your brain off. But it could have been a lot better, too. Yeah. And it is a lot better later. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to check in with Rory, who uh, has sort of. I think been Rory's a been. I think Rory's been quiet because he's been trying to find another way out of the boot because Austin got stuck <laughs> in the toe. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, I did say it. Like I, I, I felt kind of just like a wave of show sort of poured past me a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, if if I had maybe rewatched it, were more familiar with the characters, I might have been able to kind of stick stick to it a little bit better. But I, um. I just saw a lot of stuff like it was such a it's such a it's such a plot heavy thing full of full of computer quips that that sort of just sort of ricochet around while constant plot is happening mm-hmm. um, that they yeah that the show the show kind of takes on a bit of a Fantasia quality. <laughs> I fully I understand that entirely. I feel for you. If I hadn't, if I didn't have extra context for this, I don't know. I don't know how I would be doing this conversation. <laughs> right, right, and that's that's the challenge. I mean, we'll get into this in next segment too. But like picking episodes is really tough because if it were up to us, we wouldn't be watching the pilot and you know a standalone episode season two. We'd be getting into the like the good stuff, the meteor stuff. But mm-hmm. but you know, it is it is a show that gets better by building on what came before it. And we just can't do that here. It would have been a different sort of, a different sort of uh, an unintelligible if we had jumped into season three, 
where not only does the world building not make sense and they're still kind of throwing nonsense shit around, but now they expect you to know two seasons worth of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, let's get out of here. We got it. We got to make some money. Let's talk to a sponsor. Hey, Rory. Mm, Yeah. I have a special new sponsor that I want you to tell us about. Well, that's what we're here for. Can you please tell us about the pirate ship that's too silly? Yeah, everybody. So uh, you you may you may have heard that there is a problem at the port this week. Uh, and you may be thinking, where's where's my goods? Where's my canned goods? Where's my electronics? Where's my Toyota Camry? Yeah. Uh, specifically comes, those, yeah, I was waiting on. That comes from Japan. Mm-hmm. And you you would be you you would you would feel like uh, this this halt in the uh, supply chain is unprecedented and uh, frankly inexcusable. And uh, we we just feel everybody needs to know that uh, as much as uh, you know we're all excited about the 2022 Toyota Camrys. <laughs> Yeah. That there is a problem at the port because nobody can get past this. Uh, what can only be described as is the clown car of the sea. This <laughs> a pirate ship that's too silly is just causing so much trouble. And every time somebody tries to pass, they get hit with, you know, a fire hose. They get bopped on the head with a with a with a big cream pie. Mm. Damn. You know, we're all kind of flummoxed because try as we might to find a to find legal recourse, it's not against the law to be super silly at sea. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's a huge problem. I actually I sailed past there at one point and a guy came by on a on a swinging jib boom and he said, "Have you seen my mizzen mast?" And I said, "No." And he said, "It's it's mizzen." Um and I, I continued to sail, uh, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go to the port. <laughs> no, you can't get in. Now, I guess uh, I, I do. I do have a question. Uh, just, I'm just sort of jumping ahead of what people might be thinking listening to this. Mm, can sure. You, can you can you clarify whether or not is it the pranks these pirates are pulling themselves that are causing the delays, or is it simply that the shipping? Container like the people running these ships uh, are too and like entertained by the the buffoonery. No, and they just I stop. don't think they care for it one bit. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. But the but the but the uh, the cajoling is incessant, and these these poor sailors just don't. I mean, what can you do if somebody squirts you in the eyeball with a little with a little lapel flower? Right, you can't <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't steer your ship straight, but you can't shoot them dead. We're not in international waters. Not it's not anything goes. What do you do? What do you do to a clown who's <laughs> just giving you a lot of trouble? Uh, have we looked into the uh, the sort of black ops possibilities? Oh, right. sure, the anti clowns. Well, the thing is, <laughs> is that they are, uh, you know, uh, busy with Carnival this week, and I just don't know that there's going to be much we can do to get our to get our Toyota Camrys any quicker than uh, just waiting. The, the the thing that you can depend, the one thing you can predict about a pirate ship that's too silly is that they bore easily. Mm. Okay. And I think I think this is one of those storms you just wait out. 
Like if you don't feed the monster, right? Then yeah, they're gonna find somewhere else to to be really funny. <laughs> like my backyard, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I don't get my 2022 Toyota Camry in 2021, what's the fucking point? By the time 2022 rolls around, the 23 Camrys are gonna be out, and I'm gonna look like a complete fucking idiot. Well, you know, luckily, uh, no Toyota Camrys are coming through 2022 or later. Uh, oh. You're gonna you're gonna be relatively safe. You're gonna be a cool guy with a brand new Toyota Camry for the same amount of time you would have been. Now, is this because of the chip shortage? Because I hear the pirate chip that's too silly this has they've run out of chips. That's true. There's no the, the these these pirates need Doritos, uh, or they just get too sad, too sad to clown. Well, I wish them Godspeed. Oh, these these dang pirates and, and their and their pranks is is going to be the enemy because I was really looking forward to doing donuts in a brand new Toyota Camry, uh, you know, on my ex girlfriend's front lawn. Because <laughs> she has a 2021 Camry. She looks like a fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> They say the user lives outside the net and inputs games for pleasure. No one knows for sure, but I intend to find out. Reboot! Well, guys, here I am feeling, uh, feeling the gravity of, the, of our choice to try to escape through the toe of the boot as I am fully stuck Winnie the Pooh style. <laughs> oh, no. It was the little toe. <laughs> such a little toe. And I now, did and Austin I'm... get out? I did, yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you left or are you trying to help Rory from the other side? Well, here's the problem. I I'm in the second boot. <laughs> I went right to the other boot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Was... Are we stuck in a Matryoshka doll of multiple boots? No, no, no. It's just you know how people have more than one pair more than one boot. Wait a uh, minute, so you just you climbed into the other one. Well, it looked it looked good enough. It looked smart at the time. Well, I, I I escaped. I plopped. I plopped out of the hole and sort of cannoned myself right into the second boot, standing next to this one. Fuck. Assumedly ah, in the mud room of some giant. <laughs> I stand in the mud room of giants. <laughs> okay, so um. Now that we've established our locations, uh, let me <laughs> let me tell you guys about Reboot <laughs> Season 2, Episode 4, Bad Bob. Uh, Megabyte attacks the principal office. That's in all caps. Um, Megabyte attacks the principal office to steal Mainframe's core energy. This causes a game. That's capital as well. Uh, and core was capitalized, too. So... <laughs> Megabyte attacks the principal office to steal a mainframe's capital, to steal mainframe's core energy. (laughs) This causes a game to be corrupted and land on the principal office. Bob and Enzo have to get the core energy uh, being transported by Megatruck, (laughs) a a transformed Megabyte 
back to the office before it can leave with the game. Everybody got that? Thank you for making sure we all knew where the capitals uh, were. I, I like. Well, I, I I felt it important because I we I've I've mentioned just how sort of jargon laden the show is. What you guys did with the with the all the computer jokes mm-hmm. and and all and all of the plot sort of um, the aurora borealis of plot that happens throughout this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that I I wanted to call attention that even the synopsis sort of can't escape that. Right. Nope. No. Yeah. So, okay. So this one, I at the very least enjoyed it to a much higher degree uh, than compared to the last one. Yeah. Because I, I, the whole thing is a Mad Max Road Warrior. It, it is. And, and, I, and I do want to, I do want to share in that joy to you, but in the way that the first episode coming in cold was sort of overwhelming. This one exploded with, you know, twice as many characters and twice as fast plot action. Like we sort of kicked into kicked into into overdrive, and I still hadn't sort of caught up yet. And and the sure. funny thing is that you would think that is a side effect of jumping from episode one of season one to episode four of season two, and that oh, think of all the content we've missed. Not so much. No, almost nothing is new between these two episodes there is not really anything that we have missed ostensibly you know i would say i would say there's a couple side characters that show up without fanfare and just start talking and they don't get introductions and that's i don't know maybe that's par for the course of jumping into season two but like uh the the biker binome for instance who is working on bob's car she's not given any intro she's just assumed I suppose you would you would have the context of like these are definitely new characters and they're definitely and you would know that they're probably not coming back in the next episode they're kind of for this one mm-hmm. I don't I don't have that of like oh they, yep. these are not characters from reboot this is just just a ton of talking shapes <laughs> right <laughs> yes they are that yeah yes I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the flaws with this episode lie entirely in the writing of this episode yeah um and it is not sort of our it is not the truck's fault no it's not the truck's fault fault. justice for mega (laughs) truck i love mega truck uh (laughs) i mean it's an incredibly phallic truck uh Mm. with with uh with megabyte's face on it uh we've already explained is quite hot Um, yeah (laughs) Going at ramming speed. Well, yeah. I mean, do you remember this? This this jumps ahead a little bit, but he's driving down this highway, and his goal is to plug the entire back of the truck, uh, <laughs> this long cylindrical truck, into this tiny little hole. <laughs> and it's just it's just the mega dildo just flying down the highway towards yeah. this tiny little butthole. <laughs> well, plus everything in Mad Max is pretty phallic. To begin pretty, with, so. yeah, there's a lot of buttholes in Mad Max. Yeah, I so all right. I I have a I'm I'm debating when to do this, but I think it's going to be more fun to have this conversation after you two know this piece of information than if I wait. Okay. So I don't know if this is going to like blow your mind or anything, or if you're just going to find it mildly interesting. But the uh, the production designer for reboot 
right? So somebody who's like not necessarily like the creator or the developer, but like the production designer coming up with a lot of the like character designs and and like environments and and stuff and probably designed the mega truck, et cetera, et cetera, is a man named Brendan McCarthy. And Brendan McCarthy later met George Miller. And Brendan McCarthy said, I need you to make a new Mad Max movie. And also, here's my script treatment. No. And Brendan McCarthy, the production designer of Reboot, is, a co- is the co-writer of Mad Max Fury Road. Fucking what? <laughs> oh, my and, God. And I just find that so fucking tasty that you know how much he had to fucking love I don't know if this Mad Max-themed episode was his idea, if he was just really stoked to work on it. He was clearly a big fan of Mad Max, and this was made with a lot of love and a lot of reference to those movies. But Road Warrior didn't have this long highway chase with the skinny canyon and the the truck Uh flipping. And and Road Warrior didn't have that shit. Payload on the truck. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, Road Warrior didn't have that shit. Those ideas for Fury Road were born here in this episode <laughs> reboot. And I just need to, I needed you to know. That is not, holy shit. I I love it. I love how dumb that is. That's incredible because I was going to say I was like there's almost some Fury Road DNA in this. Uh ahead of its time. Yeah. And so, and sure enough. Sure enough. Yeah, just this was sort of a tryout. This was like his spec script for Fury <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. That's wild. Um, well, then let's let's not waste too much time getting kind of yeah. up to getting into the Bad Max game, which is like 10 minutes into the show. So let's try to like... so oh, so long. Yeah, so basically there's like a heist at some sort of thing called the principal office, which uh, is not a school. It's, I guess it's where they have the energy... For the I think city? it's that I think it's that central like citadel looking building where Fong is. Okay, uh, and it's the energy source for the city. Yeah, all of the all of the energy of mainframe is 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 there, and it comes from there. It comes from the principal office. Right. Uh, there's also a thread about cars, and that uh, Bob has uh, a busted car, and he's trying to get it tweaked, and he keeps not getting it fully fixed. But that's not really that important. Um, although they do theorize that it may be the Daniels tubes. <laughs> the Daniels tubes are blocked. Try flushing them out. I don't you better know. check the Daniels tubes. Yeah, which I don't That's know. Is, definitely a is like a Star Trek reference. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna, gonna say. say. I thought it was, a, but I like the idea that everybody like gets to na- like everybody gets to name their tubes. <laughs> right. Like uh, the, the Jeffrey tubes were specifically Jeffrey's tubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's is really into cars. It's like, I'll yeah. name this tube after me. <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah. So now, I, I, you know, Megabyte has stolen the energy. And, or he's like partway through doing it. Right. Yeah. He's stealing the energy. And then I guess that's just when the game hits and Bob gets in there and Enzo gets in there. And it's a Mad Max game. I think maybe that's part of how how chaotic this show was to me. And I, and I didn't know going into this that like a new location and theme can just drop out of the sky. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a different show now. Right. Yeah. Right. That yep. was part of the appeal. It was like, what's the game? I'm be sure this it's week? fun. If you're like, if you've bought in, if sure, you're yeah. going in cold, like me, I just, uh, I just, you know, I'm always 
a little bit lost. And I think, yeah. I think that's, that's part of the, just in the DNA. Like you're just around for the ride, man. A game can fall out of the sky at any time. And now you're in the game. Life is short. Games fall from the sky. <laughs> now it's Mad Max. Yeah. Get with it. Fucking get with it. Uh, I, two things I want to clarify. So one is that there's also a, th- a thread that's mildly important where Dot is pissed that Bob has not done more to dissuade Enzo from following him into games because Enzo's a little kid and it's dangerous as shit. And she's like, you need to get my little brother out of danger zones. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sure enough, Enzo shows up again into the game uh, and doesn't learn a lesson at the end of this. Bob's like, nice, you were clutching there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that I think is the most important thing and will probably be all that we talk about is that... Megatruck? Yeah, some sort of strange <laughs> alchemy has happened where Megabyte partway through stealing the, the the like energy and then the game coming down and he somehow corrupted the game on purpose. That's not really clear. Something that he did caused Megabyte to unknowingly warp as he enters this <laughs> game. And we watch it happen. He's like, oh, and his, his face like stretches. And the <laughs> yeah. next time we see Megabyte, he is a truck. He is a truck. He's become truck. <laughs> um, and I love it. <laughs> it's it is also extra confusing because in the first episode of reboot, we learn that Megabyte can get into the user, can infect the user, and become a super user. And sure. that's bad, I guess. Um, but then in this one, he's infected some other part of the game, and he's not the user. So we also are. We're avoiding a user, but they're not really that important to the, no. to the plot. The user seems to suck at this Mad Max game. Right. <laughs> right. And they're also, yeah, like they're in a royalty-free Batmobile that is kind of throwing off the Mad Max vibe a little bit. Uh, very much so. And, yeah, and so so then we're dealing with this mega truck going from one place to another. And I guess we want it to go to a different place or not blow up or something. Well, it has all of the energy in it, in the tank and we need it to go back to the principal office, which is where it's driving away from right now. But it's right. also kind of a runaway truck that's uncontrollable. And we also need to stop it from crashing into things and exploding. But they're also in a game. So they're not even necessarily <laughs> like going to the places that we know they should go to. They're, it's just no. things inside the game. Oh, and so, God. And so that, you know, that's not, you know, super clear that everything tracks one to one to like places in the city. Um, Yeah. And so like. There's the the other issue that constantly happens is the we haven't talked about hack and slash the uh yeah the henchmen to mega the dongs <laughs> the ding dongs these ding dong <laughs> robots um I will say I find them very funny I appreciate their banter their style of banter far more than most henchmen banter because it seems to be almost entirely improvised in the booth yeah like I and think that's it, the only way it has to be done it's like purposefully chaotic too. Like they're both talking over each other at high, like loud volume. And yeah, the improvisational nature of what they're saying just makes it funnier. Like you're working to pick out what either of them are saying. And when you do, it's like, it's always kind of a gem. Right. Like one of them, like they say ridiculous things. 
uh, obviously, we're going to drop a super cut of various times they do it. She started a big guy, it was, uh, a, a melee, no idea, a ruckus, a, a, a riot, outside, a riot. right outside. That's what she did. She was awful. Oh, the boss has got that fruit thing. The boss has got bananas. The boss is nuts. Yeah, and I just, I like it because it's it's the opposite of being overwritten. And so many of these bantery lines are are overwritten and and feel staged and and hammy and unnatural and having these two actors one of which is is piccolo from dragon ball z um <laughs> is and to have the two of them just kind of like talking shit at each other that isn't important it's not important no matter what but we just like we get the idea we don't have to actually listen to it it's great right <laughs> Uh, but the reason, but the confusing thing is that the, these two henchmen are also sometimes helping Bob to yeah. do stuff. And you're just like, not sure whose side they're on. And you think they're on Megabyte's side, but then they're helping Bob and Bob mm-hmm. helps them and they don't, you know. Well, I'm going to try and over explain this. This is this is my best filling in the blanks. This is Andy's dude. Yes, this is my Dune moment. So <laughs> this is what I think is going on. I don't think anybody intended to be in this game. And what they talk about earlier when they first get in the game, Fong shows up and explains to Bob that no matter who wins the game, if the game ends while the core energy is still in the game, the energy is leaving with the game and they'll never get it back. And the energy is what keeps mainframe like running and alive. And the mainframe is also where megabyte lives and i think it's in no one's interest for the energy to be gone and megabytes a truck now and i think that also (laughs) wasn't intended and so what we're dealing with is a situation where hack and slash are like well we're fucked and we're careening out of control and i guess we'll just go along with bob so that this doesn't fuck everything that is my over explaining does that make sense to you it does now yes it makes sense i i uh I wish it was in the text. Yep, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. There's also another moment where um, Dot is talking to people outside of the game. She's coordinating ops Mm, on this situation. trying so hard to give her something to do. I know. And she says, like, something like, what do you think, number one? And this binome turns around and it's, it's, I guess it's Riker from Star Trek the next generation, but he has a Sean Connery accent. (laughs) It's a volatile situation. Anything can happen when a game is corrupted. To make matters worse, I've calculated 29 million cycles before the stolen energy dissipates and mainframe will be offline. And it's very clearly a Sean Connery accent. (laughs) But but I'm I just I don't understand what they're doing here. You know, it's like they have, it's a Mad Max game with a Batmobile, and then Riker from Next Gen with a Sean Connery accent is talking. And I just, like, it, it, it's, it's so much things, Andy. It's so much things. If it, if it helps you uh, to know that you're not going nuts, if you go to the Wikipedia article that's called List of Reboot Episodes, every episode has a subheading underneath the description of the episode called Cultural References. <laughs> and, and it lists out all of the completely scattershot pop culture things that they just decide to reference every episode of this show. Okay. And so I, I think Sean Connery Riker is par for the course for 
every episode of this show. None of it makes sense. We kind of lucked into a Mad Max like cohesive theme a little bit, but yeah, I Got think it. they go pretty go pretty ham for no reason other than to go, hey, look. It's, look, it's just two things. It's Jeffrey's tubes, <laughs> but it's Daniel's tubes. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's like there's also this in the game for some reason there is a bunch of binomes dressed like the Titanic crew, I think, that are driving an airplane turned into a car. It's like an airplane nose, like the the cockpit of an airplane, mm-hmm. and that's also driving, and they're doing like the the going down with the ship captain british routine um and they collide with megatruck and then we pan over to the the just walk away lord, lord humongous, humongous lord humongous um I previously cannot... seen in madoka magica madoka magica i can't <laughs> believe that we've got another lord humongous sighting on this fucking <laughs> cartoon podcast that we do yeah. why is lord humongous here again and he I mean, does like, the just walk away here. he does the just walk away <laughs> It's like, be still my dogs of war. But he says, what does he say? He's like, be still my binomes of war. Just walk away. All right, we get it. Oh, that was, I just, I realized there was another really horrible pop culture reference that made no sense. When they first go into the game, like one of the first things that we see as we pan around and see the desert is one of the binomes, apropos of nothing, says Charlton Heston's line from when he sees the Statue of Liberty at the end of Planet of the Apes. They finally really did it. The maniacs, they blew it up. They finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! Oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! It means nothing. That quote isn't relevant here. It's not. And it's not Planet of the Apes. You're doing Mad Max. Why is that here? What are you doing? What the fuck is that? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I I enjoyed it more than the first one. I mean, I. I yeah, I think that's cheating, though, because we like Mad Max. I think that. Yes, it's true. And, and it worked on me. And that is right. that is the reason they did it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if I was going to be generous, I could say that you could you can tell that uh, that Brandon McCarthy is like into coming up with vehicle designs for this co- this like world. Yeah, like the like the weird giant airplane car and other stuff. Like you can tell that there's love in there, and he definitely did design a lot of the Fury Road vehicles. Uh, and so, like, I don't know. This is just like his jam. Yeah. The writer, the writer took a day off, but he got to just <laughs> design a, f- a bunch of fun cars. And right, right. I, bet, I bet he loves this episode. I yeah. bet he looks back on this and is like, this launched my fucking career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's even a sequence where they have to decouple the the face of Megatruck from the like, tanker, <laughs> which is like the whole ending of Fury Road. Um and sorry, the face of Megatruck the might face be. Of... <laughs> if we have room for a title on these episodes, I think that's it. The face of Megatruck. Is yeah. there is there a purpose in staying in this, or do we just go to a wrap up? I think I, let's wrap it on up. I think let's, let's wrap, wrap this up.
Uh, well, uh, with the with the the use of some foot grease that I sort of, you know, palmed off the the inside of this boot and 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 rubbed Rory with, I managed to get Rory out the pinky toe. Uh, and I guess this is my new home now, and Austin's in the other boot. Maybe yeah, we if- can wave to each other like cellmates across the <laughs> across the <laughs> across mud room. The dungeon. Oh yeah. <laughs> But Rory gets to live a free life, uh, and he can leave Reboot forever and never have to watch another episode, which I think he might enjoy. Is that right? Certainly based off. Well, you know, it's funny uh, that not only did I, uh, you know, uh, with with everything else that I that I mentioned previously, uh, I, I was sort of so overwhelmed trying to keep up with the show. I, I really missed a lot of the fun references, even the. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even the ones that seem obvious after you say them, I just, I just wasn't. Well, they are, I, the show was such nonsense, like so much, you know, spaghetti getting thrown at the wall at once. Yeah, I just didn't didn't catch the refs, and mm-hmm. I think that could have made the show a lot more fun. Sure, I feel that. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a a total tangent, but like, what what happened in the '90s when Bob was like the big joke? Like, like things being named Bob was like. It was like the bacon humor from the 2000s, you know, where yeah, it's just I know. like, oh, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Like everybody got the memo that like things named Bob's Bob funny. were hilarious. It was like a big Titan AE joke at the end where it's like, I'll name the planet Bob. Like, why? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit silly and it's, and it's sort of mouthfeel and it's also, um, it's so anticlimactic and uninformative, you know, it's, it's a bad joke. I, I don't want to over explain why it's, why it's mm-hmm. good, but I, I can understand the impulse to like think that that's funny. I guess. Yeah, it's also I don't think it's a computer reference, which is weird. Also, in a time when I, everybody had to be like, uh, "My name is is Sky Surfer One," and <laughs> well, and you have a character named Dot Matrix in right. this cartoon, and then you've got Bob. Now, I I have this. I have the wiki open again, and I've gone to his page, and let me read you the sentence. According to Gavin Blair, Bob's original name was Chip. Yeah. However, they liked the name Bob better. Cool. So neat story, Gavin. But uh, <laughs> maybe Chip would have been more thematically appropriate than Bob. Probably a lot. I, I just want to give a little bit of lip service to this really fast. I, I. I'm not trying to say that in season two, like halfway through season two, it becomes prestige TV. And no. I don't want to give that. that I don't even that, think like, when it gets impression. The, the good part, we remember it becomes prestige TV. I'm kind of no. afraid to go back to the good stuff. Quote, uh, good right. stuff. But what I think is fun about it is that with a season and a half, maybe a season and two thirds, three quarters, whatever, before it takes more of a turn in season two, that we get of entirely episodic content. You don't need to have really caught up. It's all just kind of crazy. They're all self-contained. What is fun about it is that when they decide to become serialized and they really do it, they bring back a lot of these one-off characters that they used in episodes in seasons one and two, and they have fun returns. And I know that other shows have done that sort of thing. I mean, you could you could look at I mean, we we've watched Gravity Falls Gravity on this Falls, on this podcast. Say, yeah. Gravity Falls has a lot of like one-off shit in its first season, and then they revisit them in fun ways in the season two when they become behind old man McGucket, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? And 
I think that there's an element of how fun that is where like, you know, you meet uh Oh, what's his butt? The the Crimson Binome. You meet the Crimson Binome and his weird pirates in like an episode in season one. And then they're like suddenly important in season four and they come back and they're like, oh, yeah, we remember. And they're like taking them across some sort of crazy yeah, journey. Uh, and it, that's it's fun. fun. It's, it's it's not just a callback to like a fun character you you remember, but it's it also pays off an episode that was previously filler. That was right? before. Yeah. It was like, a waste of your t- entire day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I think that that really lends a lot to why I have such fond memories of that later stuff, where, like, there's both the angle that, like, the character dynamics get switched up, because, as we mentioned, Enzo is aged up, and it's not because time has progressed, but because Bob has upgraded him, is my recollection. And so I'm he's still pretty sure he got lost in, in he got lost in some kind of time warp and then came back as, like, a grizzled, as a grizzled hero. With like a hot girlfriend, know. with a trident. Well, <laughs> the hot, the hot girlfriend. Anyway, he meets. There's so we're not getting into this this hole. I'm I'm pretty sure it's a mix of things because he still kind of acts a bit childish, even though he has constant five o'clock shadow and a rippled bod and like a missing eye too. Yeah, yeah, they do that whole thing, and so like I like the way they shift up the character dynamics, and I like that they bring some stuff back, and I like that they commit in a way that they didn't do before to like telling a story. I don't know. It becomes a much more interesting show halfway through, and then they get canceled, and it ends on a cliffhanger. So. I'm sorry. I just immediately went to a world where there's a speed racer follow-up where Spritle and Chim Chim, like, Spritle goes through, <laughs> like, an Enzo, <laughs> you know, age age upgrade, and, like, yeah. is the racer now, and he's got, like, a prosthetic arm or something. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch oh, that. Oh, all right. All right, Austin. You, you're correct. I went to... Uh, it says, Enzo and Andrala grew up relatively fast in the games, having compiled up faster due to game time being accelerated. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. They do a Marco from Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Right. Anyway, that's enough completely alienating talk about reboot. Any well, final thoughts that we have I um, think and on this arc that we're going to do? I think it's good that we included it, because I think we have listeners who enjoy the yeah. show like fun think of it fondly the way that we did and yeah. while the episodes we watched were not to to really any metric good um, <laughs> i mean not unless we were going to be a reboot podcast would we be able to get to the good right i think it's still good that we covered it especially a granddaddy of these like cg animated shows yeah and if you if you're into this podcast for rory and you got mad that it was just Austin and I gushing about reboot all week. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna love next week because basically Rory picked next week's horrible fodder, <laughs> and he's got to he's them, gotta sit and chew on it. One of them is a Hot Wheels cartoon, <laughs> and I'm so mad. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be so much fun. Oh, we're going to stink. We're going to stink at the end of this one. We're going to stink in three dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So I guess uh, thank you one more time to Patrick, our fantastic patron who He's just a regular patron. Let's not. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, look forward to two more weeks of... of, of Winter. Just... <laughs> <laughs> of computer winter (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you next tuesday
Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to hear more shows from us, we have two more for you. The Infinite Backlog is our extremely exciting Marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move forward with way too much reading. Wham, bam, pow. (laughs) And you get to hear almost every week Rory and Shane complain about how much reading it is. There's so much reading. It's always Warlock. (laughs) It comes out most Saturdays. We've also got I've Read Dune with Rory Voy. Me, Rory Voy. It's a podcast where I have read Dune and they're my captive audience for an hour. Every Wednesday till we finish the book, we're releasing I've Read Dune with Rory Voy. Me. And I've Read Dune. (laughs) And of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, really, and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content, everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, And, you know, even if you can't support us monetarily, if you don't have anything to give, we would just love it if you joined our Discord and send us memes. (laughs) Um, Send memes to us all day long. Keep us awake all night long with your memes. We love memes. We consume them. Just ruin us with your memes. (laughs) Please ruin us with your memes. (laughs) As always, our links are in the episode description. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Laters. Laters.